This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another exciting episode of In Front of the Pen. I am your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is Ricky Widmer. Hey, guys. How's it going? And we're taking over because Mike's all cool. Mike's all warm. Mike's going to Florida. Yeah, he he decided to leave us for warmer weather and bad baseball. (laughs) Warmer weather and bad baseball. Well, because it's not Baseball Town USA like it is up here. Two Chicago teams up top. We're taking over for Rake, and he gave us the okay. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to miss a week. Mm-hmm. We, we wanted to, you know, fill, fill up your, your time with, you know, behind the pen. People love this shit, so we took over. We're, we're taking over, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Are they the new favorites for the NBA title? We're going to be talking about the MLB. The first quarter just come and, has come and passed. We're going to be talking about favorites for the, you know, awards, the end of the award season awards, and who, what teams have surprised us, what teams have disappointed us, what players have su- surprised us, and what teams have dis- or players have disappointed us. And then we're going to wrap it up with the Jalen Ramsey injury news, uh, talking about his meniscus tear. But we're going to jump to the Cavs. The Cavs are currently 9-0 and in the playoffs. They have not lost a game, and they're looking fantastic. They're looking put together. They're looking like a true team. They're looking like the team that they were hyped up to be, and, you know, looking at the Raptors series, yeah, the Raptors are a good team, but, you know, the first game, that was not a close game, Ricky. In your mind, are the Cavs the new favorites, even over the Warriors and over the Thunder, you know, to win the NBA Finals? I wish this was a video podcast because I, they're going to need your help, Sean. You're going to have to help them out because I can't look at my own face. Does this look like a face that's impressed? Ricky was shaking his head. No. It, it, I'm not impressed. The only reason I'm not impressed, you're playing the East. The East sucks. It doesn't matter who you get through. It doesn't matter how many games you don't lose. You're not going to impress me until you do this either against the Thunder, and the Warriors. We all knew this was going to happen. The Cavs were going to walk through the East. The East is a huge kind of just revolving, not even revolving, it's basically, yeah, a revolving door for the Cavs. Get out of my way. I am now outside. That is the Cavs going through the Eastern Conference. And one thing that I heard this week when I was listening to the sports talk radio I always listen to, and it hit me, you want to know how much tougher the Western Conferences compared to the East. What's that? Damian Lillard is not an all-star in the West. If he played in the East, but that was he'd fan be an voting. all-star. Kobe, no, Kobe Bryant was in the all-star game. Can, think, you, can you say that Kobe was one of the think, best players in the West? Think of the talent, though. Kobe Bryant in was the not West. talent. No, no, no. I'm thinking overall. Think of the talent in the West. And with the Cavs, you are not going to be the favorite until you do something that impresses me. And beating the teams in the East... Walking through the Pistons, sweeping the Hawks, on your way technically right now as we record this to sweeping Toronto, even though I'm rooting for Toronto because I can't stand you can't, the Cavaliers. You can't jump the gun here. I mean, they're they're only up one nothing. You can't no, say they're going to sweep no, them. No, they're, they're going to walk right through them. Like, and I would love for the Raptors to beat them, but the Cavs are going to walk right through the Raptors. Raptors may get one game. Nothing has surprised you, though, that they're about no. them going 9-0 and and only two games have been decided between five no, points. Because Nothing has e- surprised no. you at all? The East is weak. The East is weak. The, but we this should call week, it the least conference. This week? Wow, that was an original joke. You used yeah, that, no, you just, used that with the NFC least. We're Great taking job, that the NFC least. But, I mean, 
No, until they do something against the Warriors, against the Thunder, I'm not going to be impressed because the East isn't as good as the West. But you were saying that the Spurs were the best team, and you're, you weren't you yeah, know, spouting that, off oh, the Thunder. That, you're, you weren't spouting off that the Thunder were so great. That impressed me, though. The Thunder have impressed me. Beating the Warriors game one after I said they weren't going to win in the Oracle— they impressed but me. The Cavs going through nine straight no nine straight no. games and winning they by. They even had to play the Spurs. They even had to play the Warriors the, like the, the Thunder. The had. level that they're playing at, they're not like you know you know losing clo- or winning close games. They're destroying opponents. You don't Can think I, that's surprising at all? Let me ask you this: Yeah, if I went up against eighth graders and mauled them like a hundred to nothing, would you be impressed? I would. No, be, I would be, be shocked like, because be like, I'm surprised. Why is this twenty six year old? fucking picking on eighth graders that's what you'd be no saying. i would be shocked because i think those kids are way faster than you they'd be blowing through the hole and getting layups i got height baby that's all i you need. don't have height put the ball i know compared a, to an eighth grade i know okay. a lot of eighth graders okay. who are like five let's, let's you know, cha- 11 let's that's- change eighth grader to fourth grader fine does that better okay if I, yeah if i beat a but couple you think, of fourth graders you think a team like atlanta who's had multiple all-stars on their team you don't think that that should have at least gone to five series they have five not games? beaten the Cavs in the playoffs at all no team has. They haven't. And no this team has. I'm saying, isn't that pi- impressive? No. The Pistons didn't stand a chance. The Hawks didn't stand a chance. The Raptors, even though I want them to stand a chance, aren't going to stand a chance. And the Cavs, to me, they, they're the team that you could have game one of the regular season, they're going to the finals, and you would have been right. I did throw one stat out there. There was three games that have been decided by five points or less. Three games. Three out of nine games yeah, have but been decided still, by. Yeah, I mean, this team... I mean the way the way the team has come together that hasn't impressed you the way that loves playing together with Irving and LeBron and even you know Richard Jefferson stepping up in game 1 grabbing 11 rebounds none of this has impressed you at it's, all It's easy to do that against opponents that are weaker than you if they would have had to go through the west and they were doing this against the Spurs against the Warriors even against the Mavericks, you think the Mavericks are you know you don't you think the better, Mavericks are way better than the Hawks? Better than the Pistons for sure. That's at least where I'd put that one. Okay, I yeah, mean, but oh, all right. So you're comparing a seven seed let, and an eight let, seed. Let's put it this way: let's the first round teams that lost. Let's take them out of it. Let's just look at the teams that the Thunder and the Warriors had to play in their second round games. They didn't. They, they played. Cavs, Port, they played Portland. Wait, with, wait, with wait, two wait, players, wait, wait, basically. wait, wait, wait. The Cavs didn't have to go through a team like San Antonio. The Thunder did that. And the Warriors, even though they won that series in five against Portland, that is, and I said it on the fast break, and I'll say it right now, that was the best series that I've ever seen that ended 4-1. Because the Trailblazers went toe-to-toe with the Warriors and didn't make it easy on them. Name how many exciting four-one series that have been. There's probably that is probably the only one. Like and I plus, said, it's the most exciting series that's been four-one. Okay, but would you say that was the most exciting playoff in the second round? That most exciting series in the second round. You wouldn't say would the say Thunder was more exciting. I or you would wouldn't say, say Thunder that, Spurs and then followed by Warriors Blazers. You wouldn't put the Raptors Heat up there. That went to seven games. I would put the Raptors Heat third. To me, third maybe. What, what about the game second. seven? What, what what about that took took away from it? I, to me, it's just the. I like the West. The West Coast to me has been so you more have a, you just have a preference. You're no, not you're not really saying that you know the games that I have watched like and that's why I said okay Raptors and Heat, I'll give you. I may put them second, but I just like man that that Warrior series going up against Lillard and CJ and those two doing all they can. To give the Warriors hell, that was more exciting to me. That actually, the way I 
put it on my barometer is that series was able to keep me from going to bed early each and every night it played. That's why it was a great series, because of the entertainment value. If it wasn't entertaining, if it was Cavs-Hawks, I would have been like, nope, going to bed. I got work tomorrow. You're up till 1230, no matter what. So you can't say, this was keeping me up. You're up to 1230, no matter what. So you can't say that, oh, it kept me up. You can't say that. You can't say that 25 three-pointers was not exciting for the Cavs. Then I'll say this. It kept me from watching the hockey playoffs. There. Is that a better analogy for you? Sure. I mean, I— Because if it was Hawks-Cavs— Whatever, I'm watching Blues and who gives a fuck, whoever they played in the second round, the Stars, I think. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Cleveland fan. I don't, I don't have an NBA fandom. We'll have to sell it off. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a team yet. And I'm not, I'm not We're trying gonna to auction it off for charity. We got that plan rolling. And I know people are already saying like, don't be riding the Cavs. Oh, he's riding LeBron James' dick. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I like how they I am, always throw out that body part. I think it's because we've seen it on TV, probably. But I mean, looking at looking at this, I mean, the Cavs have been fantastic playing, and I'm not I'm not taking away from the Thunder. I think the Thunder, what they did against the Spurs, that they've been the best team in the playoffs so far. Like just just who they've beaten and how mm-hmm. they beat them. I think that has been the most impressive thing so far. Just the way that the Thunder have overcome, you know, the two giants who we thought uh, were the Spurs and the Warriors. Now that they've tied that series up one one with the Warriors, but looking at the Cavs. What they've done is fantastic. You know, people are saying that they wouldn't be able to come together. They would be struggling even against the Pistons. But they're coming in and they're just blowing past opponents. This is impressing me because you know if you look at the if if you look at the regular season, they fired their head coach. I know it wasn't really well deserved, but they did fire their head coach. They had moving pieces consistently, and then once they bring in Channing Frye, and now once the playoffs turn out, come on, it's now like they're molding together. They're all turning on the switch. You look at those stats. Kyrie's averaging twenty five a night. LeBron's averaging 24 a night. K Love's near 18. J.R. Smith's putting around 11. Channing Fry's being great off the bench. I mean, these guys are playing great together. This is what Cavs fans wanted to see last year. And I will say, this is a healthy Cavs team. We didn't get to see it last year because Olinick tore Love's arm right out of its socket. Kyrie got injured at the beginning of the NBA Finals. So I will give you this with all three of them Love, LeBron, and Kyrie all together on the floor. Are the Cavs a sound basketball team? Yes. But to me, and this goes to our ultimate question of, are they the new favorites? No, because until the Warriors lose, the Cavs are not the favorites. That's how it is in my mind. Until the Warriors are officially done the Cavs are no longer, they will never be the favorite as long as the Warriors are in contention. I can't say you're wrong, and I can't say you're just, dis- you, I disagree mainly because, you know, you look at the Warriors season, they had a historic season, they have the best player in the NBA, at least best offensive player in the NBA. I don't want to th- say the best player gonna, in the NBA. I'm going to say best player in the NBA. I, I'm just saying, I, I don't want to throw that out there because people love to fight that Steph Curry's not well, the best player in the NBA in our comments, but, you know, I'm just, just looking at this, I, I don't disagree with you that the, the Warriors aren't the favorite, but looking at this Cavs team, would you at least say they're the second favorite over the Thunder or Raptors? Yeah. Okay, so you would no, say I that. Would. Okay. I would, but I'm just saying overall as like when people say, oh, well, they haven't lost a game, that doesn't impress me much. Uh-uh, ooh. I thought you were having like a stroke or something. No, that impre- you didn't, you <laughs> that didn't mind the uh, the Shania Twain reference? No, no, I didn't, I didn't really impress. <laughs> 
That was a weird. That was a weird reference there. I mean, looking at, looking at this though, I mean, when we were talking about the Cavs, you know, mid season, we were saying if they make it to the finals, they're going to get blown up by the Warriors. But now, I don't think they're the favorite. But I think this can go to seven or six. I mean, I think a healthy Cavs team is one of the most dangerous teams in the league, and I think this is really the only other team. I think the Thunder it's have a be chance. The best finals we've ever seen. I don't think it's going to be that. I think I, it's going to be an entertaining I'm, finals. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be the best finals that we Why do you say that exactly? have ever seen. Because that's a, bold, that's a bold statement, man. Well, I mean, it's going to be LeBron and whatever LeBron brings to an NBA finals. Because being that polarizing character, that polarizing just figure. Notice mm-hmm. how I'm not saying best player because... Steph's the MVP. Well, no, yeah, LeBron LeBron's is. Not. He's the best athlete. Being the best athlete in the game, let me let me have this one, guys. Just let me have it. But just being the best athlete in the game, LeBron brings that popularity. Right now, I'm sorry, LeBron, but Steph Curry with the younger fans is to me. It seems like the most popular player in the NBA. And you could we can get in a totally different topic about that, but you have the one and two, respectively, most popular guys in the league playing in this series. The Warriors, seventy four games, and I know me and you living here in Chicago, I didn't realize it until I turned on my radio this past week. But mm-hmm. apparently, there's a ton of Bulls fans that are rooting for the Warriors to lose. Because then the 95-96 Bulls team is better because they got the ring and the oh, Warriors that, didn't. That, that doesn't surprise me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're wrong there. I mean, I, you could still make the argument whether you know, the Warriors win a championship, that they, that they you know the Bulls were a better team. But, I mean, if, if the Warriors can't make it and get over that mountaintop, then, yeah, I mean, that you can easily say that with yeah, the Bulls because they like, did it consistently. I'm just like, holy shit, I didn't know there was like a huge contingency of Bulls fans that were hoping for the Warriors to lose just because of that. These two teams, Warriors, and and I'm sorry to Thunder fans because I think you're going to actually make it a competitive series Mm -hmm. against the Warriors. Warriors and Cavs, best two teams in the NBA. You get those two going out. A Cavs team that wants to knock off the Warriors because they weren't healthy last year. A Warriors team that wants their second title. They've got the best player in the NBA it's just going to be a fun seven-game ride. Bleacher Report, report uh, you know, ranked the best final series of all time as the Heat-Spurs uh, matchup from 2013. Would you say that this Warriors-Cavs matchup could be better? Um, the um, It's funny that you bring that up because the first thing I think about that is LeBron James didn't win that ring. Ray Allen did. I'm just, I'm just saying, Ray he still Allen won a ring. Shot. He still was the series, no, the final series MVP. I know. He still won he the won series. The, he won the game, but LeBron, they're saying LeBron won the war. Yeah. No, it's one of those things where it's like he wouldn't even won that title if Ray Allen didn't hit that three from the corner. So, mm-hmm. to me, I think it could. I think it's going to be better than that. Uh, and you, you brought up that you know Curry versus LeBron 1-2 mm-hmm. might be one of the biggest matchups we've ever seen, at least from two players' standpoint-wise. Uh, would you say that ranks over the 84 finals where Magic went up against Bird and the Celtics won it in seven? Would you say that that those two players are at their peak compared to Magic and Bird, who I think Magic was in his fourth season, I think Bird was in his fourth season as well. Would you, would you say those two rank in, you know, not even historical, but at, at the time, would you say that Curry and LeBron right now rank higher above a, a Magic-Bird 
uh, series in 84? I would I would say yes. And the reason why is I'm thinking about this as a generational kind of thing. I like that analogy, though, because this LeBron and Steph, mm-hmm. if they meet in the finals for a second time, they could become the magic bird kind of matchup that you've seen in the 80s. It would fit in because in 85 they met as well. Yeah, so. or kind of like the... Um, when you've got Michael Jordan and the that I just think Michael Jordan and the Jazz mm. beating beating them in '97, then beating them in '98, and that's kind of the same thing here because who did the Warriors beat last year? They beat the Cavs, and now they'd be playing them for a second time in a row. The only difference is that the Warriors are going for a back-to-back title and not a three-peat as the Bulls were at that time, but. It kind of fits that same mold too. I would I would say just more. I would say it fits the the eighties series just more because it was the two players. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Kareem was on the team for the the Lakers, and obviously, the, obviously, you know, Mikhail and all these guys were on on the Celtics team. But you know, looking at the two the two main headliners, I would say that that more compares where it was more Jordan versus Karl Malone Stockton, or, or Pippen and Jordan versus Karl mm-hmm. Malone Stockton, rather than just one on one. I, I but you at, could technically do uh, Draymond Clay and Curry versus Kyrie, LeBron, and Love. I mean, who? But who would you think wins that match? I mean, would you say it goes to seven if, if those two teams match up? Warriors and Cavs. Yes. and Cavs are healthy. Oh yeah, it goes to seven. Cavs game completely se- healthy. No game, no injuries on either side. Game Steph, seven in the Oracle, baby. Steph is Steph is healthy too. Mm-hmm. We, he, no ankle injuries game, about that. Game seven in the Oracle. If you, Steph plays like he did in game two, game seven in the Oracle. Are you saying? Would you say that's the matchup we see? Is it going to be Warriors-Cavs? Look in your crystal ball. Yes. Is that going to be the matchup? Yeah, it is. And the reason why is I feel like, yes, the Thunder pulled off the game in you game said, number one. You said they would not oh, win in the no, Oracle at I, all. I didn't think so. And they shouldn't have because, and I'm not going to get into it, bad officiating here, bad officiating there. The NBA refs suck. We all know that. But they shouldn't have won that game. Bottom line, they did. However, looking at game two, it was basically Steph came out and said, hey, I played like shite in game one. I'm going to put the team on my back, do and go on a 15, 17, what was it, 15, 17 point mm-hmm. kind of run in the third quarter to will his team to a huge game two victory. And that's why the Warriors are going to come out of this series because they have that kind of potential. I don't think the Thunder can put together four solid wins over the Warriors. Would you say the Cavs have a better chance? Because, I mean, the way they've been going right now, and I'm not trying to write off Toronto, but the way oh, they've they been going. A, they have a better chance, oh, but I, will no, they it, do that it? That wasn't, even the, that wasn't even the question. I wasn't, I wasn't going to put that up. I, I, it's clear that the Thunder are a better team than the Raptors. Just mm-hmm. and I, I, That's, that's, that's going to go to at least six or seven. But if the Cavs do you know, re- repeat the history they've been going after, if they end it in five, four or five, do you think that gives a bigger advantage to the Cavs because they'll be more well rested when the Warriors go yeah, into I, a, you know a battle with I the heard, Thunder? I heard that argument today on the radio, and I'm I kept like shaking my head like no. Well, well, what about it? I mean, would, would the you know the rest for the Cavs you know work in their benefit because obviously injuries hurt them last time, or would the Warriors still be fresh and playing and not be you know to have any downtime? Would that help them more? What what team would be more well? I think it's at, not gonna. I don't think it's gonna play that big of a advantage to mm-hmm. either side. Like, yeah, of course, rest is always good, but I think if the Cavs go to, what, four games, and let's say, God forbid, the Thunder take the Warriors to seven, 
I don't think the Warriors are going to be at a disadvantage because they had to play seven while the Cavs got to rest and watch that series. Fair enough. Now we're going to move on to the MLB first quarter. First quarter has come and passed, and now we're going to be talking about teams that have surprised us, teams that have disappointed, players who have surprised us, and players who have disappointed. Let's go to the player side first, and I think I know you're you're going to at least go with the Cubs player here. What player has been most surprising in this uh, MLB season? I kind, I kind of want to go with just the entire Cubs roster, but no. I'm going to go with somebody who, you're right, I am going to pick a Cub. But not surprised. It's not going to be the Cub that you expect me to pick. The guy who has surprised me this season is Grandpa Ross, David Ross of the Chicago Cubs, because I'll be honest, when he came out this season and was like, hey, this is my last one, and they started the hashtag year-long retirement party, I thought, okay, he's going to be like the backup catcher, to Miguel Montero, he's going to play here and there. He's going to be Lester's personal catcher, and then that's it because you know Schwarber is going to be playing some catcher too. Mm-hmm. Well, Schwarber goes down with the injury, and David Ross has kind of been like the I'm going to say it, the spark plug to this Cubs team where he's playing great defensively, he's doing stuff at the plate, he's just being an overall just great presence on this team and. I'd even say he is one of the main reasons why they're 28 and 11 right now. Not the sole reason, but he's a big reason to help them get to that mark. If I look at most surprising players, this one's not going to be too surprising, but it's not really the the numbers he's putting up because he's been putting up ridiculous numbers his mm-hmm. whole career. But I look at Chris Sale and the way he's been doing it has been more impressive because obviously it goes if, for his ninth win tonight as we're recording this. I believe. He's going, yeah, he's going nine for, he's trying to go nine for nine at least. And if you look at his numbers, his, you know, significant, his strikeout numbers are significantly da- down because he was mm-hmm. mainly a strikeout pitcher the, the past couple of years, but now he's kind of more working on getting ground balls. Now he's kind of working on just, you know, not overpowering people, but just getting outs. And he's been doing a fantastic job. And the, the way he's been pitching has been phenomenal last year, posting a 3.41 ERA. And now he's down towards 1.6 as the time of recording this the way he's been pitching has been more efficient and he hasn't lost the you know the dominance that he has shown before because usually he's trying to overpower guys with his fastball and that's going to leave it up mm-hmm. and if a guy connects he's going to go out of the park but now he's just trying to you know work on his control because his, his stuff's nasty as it is I mean guys are swinging at pitches, pitches that are hitting him the way that he is controlling his pitches and the way he's coming out with the mindset of him pitching it's been phenomenal he's been phenomenal leading the Sox to I would say a surprise as a White Sox fan, a surprising I was top just, of the top of top of the AL. I was just gonna say the Sox have to be one of the most. Well, to me, there's two surprising teams. I had one more surprising player, and then we'll get back to that. The, the other surprising player is in the AL, and that's Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. The way that he had a complete down year in his first year in Seattle, and now he's bouncing back, and now we're seeing the old Robbie Cano. I mean, his, that's second year. I mean, he had two terrible years mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, with the Marlin, uh, Mariners. I mean, his first year wasn't bad, but you know, last year was a, a significantly down year for Robinson Cano, and now he's finally coming back. Now he's looking like the old Robbie Cano, and it, it's really good to see him that way. But you, go on. Uh, well, you know, I was going to say that the surprising teams right now are, I'm going to give you one from the AL, one from the NL, because that's how I see it, is mm-hmm. the White Sox, which to me, I kind of, I was looking at the standings today, and... I have an opportunity to be the fucking mastermind of uh, preseason predictions because way back when the season started, I threw out Indians win the division, Royals come in second, White Sox come in third, but the Royals and White Sox meet in the wild card. And a few people were like, 
Who, who the fuck do you think you are? Picking the White Sox to make the playoffs? Being that good to make the playoffs? And now they're even overseeding my prediction that I had them. They're in atop the Central Division. Them and the Cubs are doing so good that where we can call ourselves Baseball Town USA. I, I, know I don't that know about both, that. I know that both teams have kind of been sliding up right now, but they're to me like nobody expected them to be atop of the Central. The other one, the Phillies. They're right now a half game back of the Nationals for the top spot in the East. Did anyone expect, like, everyone expected Nationals and Mets. That's who's going to fight it out for the NL East. And early on, I know it's May. I know it's May, so I can get off my uh, my high horse here. But so far, I mean, 24-17 and 17 for a Phillies team that has a run differential of negative 28. Oh, no, I completely agree. You, you stole my NL team. And I'll, I'll just kind of put that whole NL East as the most surprising division mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, obviously the Braves suck. The Braves are terrible. and you Fired know, their manager yeah, because of it. Firing Freddie Gonzalez. But, I mean, that it, he, he doesn't have a team. He didn't have a team for the past mm-hmm. two years. You really can't blame Freddie for that. But you, he didn't have a team around him. You know, the Marlins are three games back. Marlins really, you know, they, they have they have Jose Fernandez. And they have Giancarlo Stanton. Don Mattingly, uh, the manager over yeah, there now. Yeah, Don Mattingly, you know, kind of rallying the troops here. And he's been impressive. I mean, even losing D Gordon, mm-hmm. you know the Marlins have been impressive. That whole National League or that whole National League East has been phenomenal. And then looking at the AL side, I do want to throw out the Baltimore Orioles. They're top of the, the AL East, but the way they've been winning, I mean, Mark Trumbo coming back. I mean, he's been up and down his whole career. You know, Angels. I thought he was one of the best players, and then mm-hmm. obviously they got that guy Mike Trout or whatever. Yeah, and he's kind of he kind of pushed him out of the uh, you know outfield rotation. Think, but Manny Machado, the... I'm I'm still going. Okay, okay. Manny Machado being fantastic at, at shortstop now that they moved him over. I mean, he's been fantastic. And, and and looking at their pitching, the pitching shouldn't be that good. But I mean, it's it's great with Chris mm-hmm. Tillman up there. It's great with Ubaldo Jimenez. I mean, he hasn't been that fantastic. But I mean, looking at the guys that have been starting, they shouldn't be this good. Now I, I look at the Baltimore Orioles, and they've been impressive because they don't have a true great rotation, but they've been winning games. I was just going to throw out there for you just to talk about because you're talking about the AL East is. I'd say Boston may be even more of a surprise See, than but Boston, Baltimore. But, I mean, if you look at history, I mean, people are saying, you know, it, it's the Giants' year to win it because they win in even years. Yeah. But looking at the at the Red Sox, they've been up and down. It's it's really every other year. And, you know, they acquire, they acquire uh, David Price and, you know, mm-hmm. their, your, your young guys like Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts are, are, are getting, you know, more experience. They're getting better. I just look at that team and it doesn't really shock me that they're that high because they're, they're still a good team and they just dealt with, you know, bad accusations last year with, uh, Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez and Hanley Ramirez kind of seems like he's finding his place, but I, I I'm not too surprised by that one. A team that does surprise me though, uh, the second team in the uh, NL West. And I know the West hasn't been too great, but the Rockies uh, have been pretty surprising. As you know, talking about a team that doesn't have a lot of great pitching, they've been phenomenal. Especially, well, I with, mean, uh, what about the Dodgers? Like they, twenty one and twenty. Well, you you so, lose right now. You lose Granky. You don't have that yeah. great of a staff. Casimir hasn't been phenomenal. Yeah, I get that. I mean, but Granky's not doing anything. It kind of shows. The Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, to me right now, show that this is what you had in Granky Kershaw. Like, it kind of shows both of them. The Dodgers, look at how good They're you light. were with both. Granky, look at what happens when you don't have Kershaw pitching in front of you. I mean, I know you want to be the main guy in Arizona, but it's kind of like when Robin said, fuck it, I'm going to be Nightwing. He's never going to be Batman. It's just Batman and Robin. You can't were say never Gran- the same. You can't say Granky's never been Batman. Look at the Royals. He was he was an AL Cy no, Young. I'm He's saying, been fantastic. I'm saying since he came over to 
the Dodgers because there was no way he was going to take over Kershaw for the ace in LA. Well, no, because Kershaw's the third best. You know, I, I, he's probably he is I'd the best say, pitcher. I'd he say, is. Yeah, he I'd is. say second best. I, he's better than Arietta. He's been doing it. He's been doing it consistently. Can we say one A one B? That's Can fair. We settle right, with that? right. I'm just I'm just saying I'm just basing that off because Kershaw has been doing it longer. Yeah. Arietta's been fantastic. I'm not, I'm not trying to put him down. But Arietta's you know, just had a Ker- great two seasons. Yeah, and but Kershaw's been having a great career. I mean, and then you know you look at their their whole lineup. Justin Turner was a catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the Dodgers have been down, but they're not even not even out of it just because the West is terrible. What teams have really disappointed you? Looking from that side, I'm not going to say disappointed because I love when they're in the cellar. But New York fans got like the Bronx has to be just. Pissed that the Yankees are in. How I think their average age is like thirty-seven. The re- or something stupid. Like the that. reason why is because of how much they're paying their players. It's the total George Steinbrenner just well, mindset of back in the day. Throw a bunch of money at it and it'll fix itself. I, I look. I look at the team in that division. I think it's the Toronto Blue Jays. I know you. I know you lost Price, but I mean, looking at that team. Bats has been struggling. Donaldson hasn't well, been the Bats ALMVP. Bats also got a, uh, a huge right hook to the Yeah, but even recently. before that, he's just been completely struggling. They're not having him bat lead off, lead off because mm-hmm. of his struggles. I mean, Donaldson hasn't been you know the AL MVP that he was last year. I just look at this team. This team has been disappointing, and they haven't been that or good. Or the Astros. Oh, I, we I already think, talked about the Astros, I and think, some guy called us a fucking misinformed no, 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 idiot. No. I think the Astros, though, are the biggest bust this season. Like, they are... The, I. Everyone thought I was one of them. Thought, oh, they're going to win the West this year. I even had them going to the World Series. Look, they're seventeen and you had them going to the World Series to lose to the Cubs. Yikes! Uh, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with you, but I think they're in the same boat as the Twins because the Twins had a shocking season last year, being a top, yeah, being near the like top. The of Astros, the Astros went to the playoffs and had that great yeah, but the twin yeah, the Twins literally did not have any pitching going into the last True. season, and they almost made the playoffs. I'm just I'm just saying those two teams <laughs> together made the playoffs. The, those two teams together were you know completely shocking to the whole. MLB landscaping, but now you look at them, the Twins have a run differential of negative 67. I mean, they've been terrible. The Astros have been terrible. Uh, and also, I mean, another, another team that really has been disappointing, you would probably throw the Diamondbacks in there because you get Granky, you think they would take that next step. You have Goldschmidt, you have Pollock, you think those guys would take the next step, mm-hmm. and they really didn't do it. I mean, looking at that, it really it was really shocking. Is there any players, I mean, if you want to throw a Cub player out there, I think I know what Cub player you will throw out there. Has there been a Cub player or any player that really has been disappointing? Um, it's not a player that I think has been disappointing, but I do want to talk about it is, I don't know, like Cub fans, I'm speaking to you as one of your own, get off of Jason Hayward's back. Like, I know that he's paid a lot. Is he batting the best right now? Probably not. But it's fucking May. It's May. And as of right now of recording this podcast, because we did lose earlier today to the Brew Crew, we're 28 and 11. And history has showed that Jason Hayward usually picks it up in the months of June and July. So to me, I feel like all this kind of talk I'm hearing from around the area, especially on our local radio stations, no matter which one it is, I just feel like he's a guy that has, yes, had a slower start than people would have liked because of the cashola that we dished out for him. But you got to remember, he's not a type of guy that needs to step in and be Jason Hayward, I'm the greatest player on the Atlanta Braves like he was back in the day. He's just got to be serviceable because we got a full team of studs. 
And talking about a team of studs here, I think I think it's hard to mention. You know, if you look at the the Mets line uh, rotation, at least you you would you would think you know th- this team led, that rotation led them deep in the playoffs last year. And you know, Syndergaard's been fantastic. He gives me nightmares. Yeah, Degrom hasn't been bad. Mats has been great. But I mean, looking at you know the guy. Harvey was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the ace. Batman's kind of been... uh, He's been terrible. He's been terrible, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, 4.93 ERA. He hasn't been great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he had one good start, but other than that, he has not been fantastic. Harvey has not been, you know, this great, you know, anchor that you want in your lineup. I mean, I think he had one good start where he... I mean, he has has three starts that have been... Mm Three ERA or less. I mean, I, I look at Harvey and he hasn't been great, and he's really been struggling. And then I also look, and then I look at another guy like Troy Tulowinski, who has just been terrible in Toronto. He hasn't been. Well, he hasn't been. I mean, he has eight home runs and twenty RBIs, but he has not been great. That whole team hasn't been great. He's been up below two hundred. His main role was to get him to the playoffs last year and then help him in the playoffs. Yeah, That's they, why they traded for him. They gave up a lot, and they, he hasn't really <laughs> given it back there. Uh, one one discussion that I do want to have with you mm-hmm. really quick before we get off the MLB. Uh, who would you? Who would your NL Cy Young be? Would it be Kershaw Arietta. or would it be Arietta? It'd be Arietta. Why? Why is it Arietta? It's just to me. You, you look can't at, just say Arietta and not give me you, a response. You look at what he's done. You look at the recent um, no hitter that he had. I mean, this guy is a guy, and of course you can say the same about Kershaw. But to me, it comes down to this: if I'm on a Game Seven World Series, who am I putting out there? I'm putting Arietta out there. That's who I'm putting out there to win the game. I'm, so that's the way. Like my personal barometer. He's got a lower ERA right now than Kershaw. He's got more wins than Kershaw. And if it's a Game 7 on the line against the White Sox, Cubs need to win this game. I'm putting Arietta on the mound. Okay, he has a lower ERA and lower wins by one win, and Kershaw does have a loss. But if you look at Kershaw's strikeout numbers, it's fucking ridiculous. Arietta, 55 strikeouts. You look Don't at Kershaw, care. 88 Don't, strikeouts. The, 88 care. strikeouts. Don't care how many times you strike out the guy. Did they score? No? Good. Even a lower win. Did whip. we win? I mean, okay, you Good. can't say, okay, Arietta's giving you one more win. You can't say that, can you win? Okay. Kershaw can win your games. All you can't say that. All I'm saying is, people, lower ERA, people aren't scoring as much on Arietta. But yeah, it's, it's it, similar ERAs. It's similar, but 1.29 is pretty fucking good, man. And 1.67 is pretty good when you're striking out 88 guys. I'm not, I'm not saying you're you're wrong, but I'm also not saying... Apples to oranges, baby. I think I think Kershaw, with... I mean, if you look at his recent games, he has had six straight games mm-hmm. of 10 or more strikeouts. I mean, th- what this guy's doing is ridiculous. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a, a close battle. I'm not really sure who I'm going to take, but I think I, I would lean towards Arietta just because of his, you know, his second half of last season and now how he's, you know, really carried it through. And before we move on, I got to give one just WTF moment for the season thus far from the first half. My what the fuck moment so so far has to be the game where Todd Frazier leaps out into the stands, hits his face, covers his face with the mitt, and what does Hawk Harrelson do? So Stony, take over. I gotta see if he's okay and so, goes down. So there. nothing actually that happened. No, just, just, just something that an event. Nothing that important that no, happened. No, an event that it. Where Hawk Harrelson, a broadcaster, said, "Hey, take over. I have to go see if the player's okay." When it's like, why are why is a broadcaster checking on the player in the middle of a game? I would probably say the biggest what the fuck moment would probably just be you the know, or door. Yeah, or door just not clocking Bautista. Did I you, mean, did you see the funny thing on Wik- that someone did on Wikipedia after that? No. On Batista's page, they put died May 15th, 2016, Arlington, Texas. And then for Odor's where it says bats and throws, under throws it goes a wicked right hook. 
Nice, nice. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know about that hawk thing. I love hawk. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself if you don't like hawk. But anyways, we're gonna move on now over to the NFL. We're talking about the NFL draft related news because <sighs> Jalen Ramsey, the number five overall pick uh, in the NFL draft, picked God. by the Jaguars, is now uh, apparently has suffered a small meniscus tear. God in just his hates knee. Jacksonville. He hates the Jaguars. It's only a small meniscus. This tear. This is the second and, year in a row that their first round pick has got. Gotten a knee injury. Okay, but if, if you look at if you look at Ramsey, that he's still going to get a second opinion. And Ian Rappaport of NFL Network has said that if it's if I mean if he's cleared, he can be ready by spring mm-hmm. training. So I mean, or not spring training, uh, training camp. But, but part I mean, of me is just saying, like I heard that, and the first thing I thought, like I went into like the mode that Jacksonville Jaguar fans are kind of going into. Why us? Why why what? Why does this have have to happen to us? Because the thing is, Jacksonville Jaguar fans, I'm kind of, like, coming around to your team. I've been coming. Let's be honest. Ricky's fucking on the bandwagon. Totally on the bandwagon when it comes to the Jaguars. I want you guys to turn the corner and be a good team, and then shit like this happens. I do want to say the statement that Jacksonville put out on their Twitter. Jalen Ramsey sustained a small tear to the meniscus in his right knee during Phase 2 on-field workouts. Ramsey is obtaining a second opinion next week. More information will be available when head team physician Dr. Kevin Kaplan and the Jaguars athletic training staff determine the appropriate is medical that, care. Is that the one I retweeted? Because I know I retweeted I, something I about it. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at their font that they used, they did use the MVP network font, so maybe we okay. should uh, take some legal action here. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, it does suck. You're not You're not wrong. You, you saw what happened last year to Dante Fowler Jr. Their second oh, rounder. He's going he's gonna to be a stud this year. Their second rounder even is dealing with knee problems with Miles, J- mm-hmm. Miles Jack, and now Jalen Ramsey is coming into this. Maybe... I mean, I'm just I'm just saying this. I'm throwing this out there. You know, there's there's talk on whether he's going to be a safety, whether mm-hmm. he's going to be a corner. I mean, this might you know hurt his lateral movement. So maybe this really gives the Jaguars a better chance of just putting him at safety and making him work out as a safety because you know he doesn't have he won't have to go one on one against wide receivers and he'll be able to play more zone coverages. He won't have to go man on man with more guys. He'll be able to really roam the field instead mm-hmm. of being tight and making tight movements following in man man to man coverage. I think this might be more beneficial. I'm not saying it's beneficial when a guy gets injured, but it might be beneficial if he's still able to come back healthy. But maybe with his knee injury, they might be you know less weir- or more weary of putting him at the cornerback position and put him in the safety place where he'll be more you know willing to roam instead of you know attacking one on one. And this is why his versatility is such a big strength when we are talking about him in the just draft season because if he was just a cornerback. Okay, what are you going to do? Like you said, you're going to lose some lateral movement. Now, because he can play safety, he has that option to, hey, you know what? If I have to sit back and play safety, I can. And to me, safety was the spot where I, me personally, I was leaning towards Ramsey being a better fit for was the safety position. Mm -hmm. But that's why the versatility for Ramsey, this is why with this injury, that strength is just showing its colors and being like, yeah, this is a really good thing, is that I'm versatile. 
Yeah, I mean, I look at Ramsey, it does suck for the Jaguars, but I think Ramsey will be able to bounce back just because, I mean, it's not even a big meniscus tear. I mean, people are saying that he might be able to be ready for training camp. I look at this, and I don't think this makes him a bust. I don't think this makes him, you know, a bad decision no, taking him at five. I, just, I think it was still a great pick at number I five. I just look at it as bad luck for Jacksonville if he has to miss the season. If he does miss the season, what effect does that truly have on the Jaguars, though? Because they did still have a phenomenal, you know, a draft. They still had a phenomenal free agency. Do you think this really yeah, hurts are they, their— what, Are they going to be the team then where it's like, oh, we draft a guy and basically we don't get to— Whoever we draft in the first round for two years in a row, we don't get to see them until the next season. Are we going to be that team? Well, we'll be that team if that happens, but I'm more saying, like, how will this affect them on the field? I mean, you know, they did get the Malik Jackson uh, acquisition. They Mm -hmm. did pick up Miles Jack, and if he's able to go, then that will be great. You know, Tata Fowler Jr. is coming back. Do you think this will really hurt their defense? Do you think they'll be able to make another move? Do you think they need Ramsey to turn? They need Ramsey or a guy as impactful as Ramsey on their defense to begin to turn that corner this season. So you're saying— And turn that corner into a team that's building into a, okay, they're a good team. So you're saying Ramsey's the key to the Jacksonville Jaguars' future, basically. In the secondary. Like, the way well, not, see, Yeah, in the secondary, well, the, de- but. the defense is built on levels, and I mean, yeah, your defensive line can be great, but if all I have to do is just short passes to beat your secondary— I'm going to do I think that all day. Be, I would think it would probably be more long passes because you got Miles Jack and Paul Puzz and Lesney, you know, roaming in the middle of the field. They can't cover the entire field, especially on Quay. I'll just, if I, can outside, think, yeah. if I can just dink and dunk you with screens and slant passes, I'll go ahead and do that all day. Ramsey is the guy that, I mean, or it's like, hey, fuck it. I'm going to keep my tight end in to keep your edge rusher off me, and then I'm just going to loft it up to my receiver because you're – Safety's not going to be able to do anything. I think Ramsey is, he's not like the if de facto key where it's like, oh, if he's not on the field, they're going to be an 0-16 team. I'm not saying that, but they need his impactful play on the field in order to begin to turn that corner. Like, I feel without Ramsey on the field, you're not going to see the Jaguars begin to turn that corner that I've been talking about. I don't think they're completely screwed because they do have Cyprian playing uh, safety back there, and he was pretty good last year. And then you look at Devon House. Devon House was a ball hawk on the outside. I mean, those guys aren't fantastic, and there's a, a reason they're obviously picking a corner you there. Think, but Mariota, I, I, Brock the Cock, and Andrew Luck. Without a guy like Ramsey roaming okay. your secondary, they're going to torture. They made major improvements to their defensive line, so they can get to Andrew Luck because there is no Colts offensive line. You saw that last year as he got hurt. Hey, they Brock drafted the Cock- Ryan Kelly, though. Brock, yeah, okay, one guy isn't going to change an offensive line, though. I'm just saying, Colts fans are really happy about that, apparently. I mean, he wasn't a bad pick. He was the best center in the NFL draft. They got a position need. It's not a bad pick. You look at Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler, he does have a good arm, but, I mean, has he really proven anything in his time in the NFL? NFL, and then Mariota, again, kind of in the same boat, boat as Andrew Luck. I mean, he is very mobile, but again, you know, he didn't have the best offensive line protection. I mean, they another might be, team that picked up offensive line help in the draft. They might be able to attack the passer, and they, that might be well enough, because if you look at the Broncos, I mean, obviously they had a pretty fucking good secondary last year with Chris Harris and mm-hmm. Akeem Tlaib, but I mean, if you look at, you know, what they did in the playoff, in the Super Bowl at least, they were attacking Cam Newton, they were attacking him consistently, and he didn't have time to throw. If you guys, if he doesn't have time to throw, I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter at all. And I think Devon House and you know Cyprian can at least be decent in the secondary where mm-hmm. you can at least stop some passes. I think the Jaguars aren't screwed if Jalen Ramsey goes out, and I think it might actually be a blessing in disguise They're because not, you might be like able I to said, use his versatility to put him in a different position that might fit his 
you know, future better. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's good that he got injured, but I'm saying it might be a blessing depending on how he can bounce back. Like I said, they're not going to be 0-16 with Ramsey off the no, field. God, no. God, However, no. it it will impact them more than not if he's not on the field. That's how I see it. Give me your Jaguars prediction without Ramsey. Record-wise, oh, are we record-wise? Are we really doing that? Are we really doing records in well, May? I'm not. I'm not saying like you know exactly down to I a don't T, know. but like do you, maybe do you think they may... they can be a playoff team with him without without him? Is real? Would they be a playoff um, team without him? Is that what I'm saying? Because right, the South is pretty bad right now. Off the top of my head, I want to say with Ramsey, they're a nine-win team. Without Ramsey, they're a Seven win team. You think Jalen Ramsey basically win, wins above eight, replacement is two? Eight, eight, eight or nine. So one or two is his war. I th- I think that the Jaguars can compete in the AFC South mainly because I mean I look at the Colts and I don't really see them too much as a threat because I know Andrew Luck's fantastic, but can Andrew Luck stay on the field? He's had mm-hmm. consistent injury problems. I look at the Houston Texans as the best team mainly because you have JJ Watt who's phenomenal. You have Brock Osweiler who's hopefully going to be phenomenal for you. You have Lamar Miller who's been great in in, in uh, Miami. You have DeAndre Hopkins who's a force on the outside. I love what they did in the draft getting Will Fuller and getting Braxton Miller. I think the Houston Texans are the team to beat, but if I look at the Jaguars, I look at that offense, Bortles is looking like he's coming into himself and he can take down those Chris inter- Ivories too. Yeah, I mean if you look at, you know, Blake Bortles, if he can take down the interceptions, I think that's going to really boost uh, you know, boost the Jaguars wins. Mm-hmm. If you look at their wide receivers, I mean, the Allen Allens, they were fantastic. Robinson Allen and, to Allen baby. Yeah, I mean they were fantastic and then obviously TJ Eldon coming out of the backfield, uh they even picked up uh and you even have the acquisition last year of Julius Thompson or Thomas. I'm sorry, Julius Thomas. I think this offense can be fantastic. And I, with this defense, with the addition of Malik Jackson, with possibly Miles Jack, or you know, and obviously Dante Fowler and Telvin Smith and Paul Puzlesny, I think they can compete. I think they'll be around the second uh, second in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll really compete for the wild card. But I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs. I, I think I think Ramsey obviously adds a lot. But he still is a rookie cornerback, and how many rookie cornerbacks make this big of an impact to their defense? I mean, looking at cornerbacks, they don't really have impacts right away. It's usually a silent, you know, kind of contribution. I, I don't think, think this it's going to hurt them. I think it is, and I, maybe I'm hitting the panic button as our overreaction uh, bandwagoner. Yeah, a bandwagoner and Ricky Widmer. We'll see what the second opinion has to say uh, for Jalen Ramsey, but that's going to wrap up for in front of the pen this week. <laughs> I am Sean Anderson. Uh, joining me was Ricky Widmer. Mike Rankin will Ricky hopefully. Ricky who? Ricky who? Ricky Widmer. Uh, okay, it sounded like you said Midmer. I was I was confused. Oh, my God. It will, hopefully, Mike Rankin will be back, so I don't have to do this with Ricky again. And um, <laughs> thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, if you do want to help support us, you can like this video if you're listening on YouTube. You can like this video or this podcast if you're listening on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're listening to on YouTube. You can share this to your friends whether you're listening on SoundCloud or YouTube. That would really be great. And if you are on either of those platforms, check out the links in the description. You can find us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. You can find us on Snapchat at Most Valuable Pod. You can find our Facebook page. But the most important one is our Patreon page. If you do want to check out our Patreon page, we would love that support. And if you do become a patron, you will get a secret podcast uh, that comes out. Um, a new one is come out coming out uh, monthly. Uh, and that one's where we kind of just shoot the shit and talk for an hour. So that one is a fun one uh, that we do. So if you are interested in that, please check out our Patreon page. That is really going to wrap this up for In Front of the Pen. I am Sean Anderson. I am on Twitter at Schwarbo. Ricky is on Twitter at Ricky Woodmer. And that's going to wrap it up. And we will see you not next week because Mike will be back. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.